Welcome to Conversations That Heal. This is your host, Susan Jacoby. Today we're going to be talking about how we can graciously move into self-love. Our guest today is Patricia Raybon. Patricia's personal essays on family and faith have been published in the New York Times Magazine, Newsweek, and many faith-related news blogs. She is the author of two award-winning books, as well as her most recent book, a faith memoir entitled Undivided, A Muslim Daughter, Her Christian Mother, Their Path to Peace. Her website is patriciaraybon.com. I really value Patricia's willingness to be vulnerable and open in sharing. Her lessons of healing serve so many on their special path to self-love. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you so much for being here. I want to explore the betrayal and the forgiveness part. How did you manage the betrayed feelings and the abandonment feelings? Mm -hmm. How did you journey through those feelings? Two ways. First, I, I finally recognized that I was grieving. I was grieving the loss of the relationship that I thought I was building when my uh, my children were growing up. You know, I thought I was building a certain sort of family, in my case, a Christian family. But I looked one day, uh, Susan, at the Kubler-Ross stages of grief, and as I looked at them, I realized that I was in mourning for my dream of my family, and um, and I was going through the stages. We all sort of know them now. It's denial. And then the second one is anger, and the third one is bargaining, and the fourth one is depression, and that's, you know, I, I was in that stage for 10, as I said, 10 plus years. I was just so sad. I would cry. I'd go to church, and instead of praising the Lord, I was crying in my, in the, in my pew. <laughs> and the last stage is acceptance, that I, you know, I can't change this, and so I'll help me God to live with it. Recognizing the, the, the mourning that I was in really allowed me to know that acceptance is the last stage, that that is what I should pray for. With regard to forgiveness, uh, because I had done some writing upon forgiveness, I understood that forgiveness is not, doesn't excuse the person who hurt you. Forgiveness says, I'm ready to be healed. And um, a lot of times we, we push grieving people to forgive before they're ready. I gave a talk one time at a church and all of the women there had lost children to gang violence and they were just grieving and and people and they one remember one mother said everybody keeps saying I need to forgive so I can move on. So grateful that I remembered at that talk to say to remind the women that there was a time in our culture when when people were grieving, they would put on mourning clothes, and you would wear them a long time. And people would know to kind of leave you alone, you know, because you were in mourning. You were in grief. And there was people, and the culture gave people emotional space to be, to grieve. Only when the grieving starts to lessen can somebody say, I'm ready to be healed? And that's when the work of forgiveness can start. And the, and the other thing about forgiveness is that it's not an act. It's a 
process. It's a lifestyle. Even then, even knowing that, we don't can't always on our own. Uh, a pastor told me this one time. On our own, we can't forgive a deep hurt. We might be able to say forgive ten percent, and so we release the rest of it to God. The word forgiveness means release. You release the person who hurt you. Re- you release the hurt, the damage, all that to God because it's too much to manage on our own by ourselves. That's a lot to kind of navigate and process, but that's what I had to go through to get to a point where I could be in relationship with my daughter regardless of the the choice she had made with regard to her faith. There's several things that you addressed that I want to go go back to. You know, you were talking about the betrayal and abandonment which is really grieving. It's interesting because I never saw the connection of those three before. There is a very strong uh, connection, almost like grieving or or grief is the the steering wheel. Betrayal and abandonment are like the the wheels of the car, and the steering wheel is grieving. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no idea where I came up with that image, but um, <laughs> but I never but thought a- about it like that before. And you're right. You know, everyone is like, I mean, I I don't know how many times people have said to me, oh, Susan, you just need to forgive. You need to forgive. You're not ready mm. to forgive yet. You know, and and it would really make me angry. Angry, yeah. Because I knew that there was something missing there. No, I knew there was a reason why I wasn't able to forgive. I didn't know what it was. So important because I think when people have been betrayed, whether it's an infidelity, you know, in a a marriage or by a parent or family member with child abuse, post-traumatic stress, and here I'm out of my, I'm getting out of my lane because I'm not a licensed psychotherapist, but I think that's probably something that, people experience, you know, when they've had gone through such damaging trauma, it is very unfair for somebody to suggest that somehow that that damaged or hurting person is guilty of not forgiving. That kind of adds insult to injury. Yes, it does. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have learned throughout all of this that the person who says to me, oh, you just need to forgive or, you know, what's wrong with you or words of those natures. Essentially what they're saying to me is I have no idea what it's like to be you, want to be in that pain, so I'm going to just tell you to get over it so I don't have to feel it. Essentially that's what they're saying to you. You know, it's the same thing as judgment. You know, they're not judging you. They're putting that onto you, that's the pain that they're holding on to, that they can't, they see an opportunity to release maybe just a sliver of it, mm-hmm. and that's enough for them to, to just get rid of that slight sliver of it, to put it onto you. Right. Please go away from me with all of this pain. I don't want to feel it here. Yes. You have to think about it. So snap out of it, you know, exactly. snap out of it. Yeah. You mentioned uh, signs. I don't want to put you on the spot here, so if you can't answer this question right off the bat, that's that's fine. 
But you had mm-hmm. mentioned um, that there were signs that you know that you're ready to forgive. What were those like the ones for the, the stages of grief that you talked about? Or are there signs where someone could be like they're going along their day and they, and they can see that their thought process is shifting? Is there anything that you could offer that might help them, encourage them? I think it's probably a case-by-case basis, but in my case, I saw a friend, an author friend, write a book with her daughter on a a completely different topic, kind of a fun topic. The daughter is a vegan, and the mom is, you know, meat and potatoes, butter (laughs) kind of gal. (laughs) And so they decided to write a book together on, you know, talking about the, the, the different ways they think about and consume food. And they successfully wrote a book. And so since I'm an, an author, I thought, well, that can be a vehicle for Alana and, and me. And it's interesting, Susan, um, I often think if we had not been willing to write, if we had been, would have been successful on this peace on this journey to, to bridge our divide. But uh, we were on the, on the Today Show about a year ago talking about this, and they asked us to write uh, suggestions for families who want to do this same work. They may not want to write a, write a book, but, you know, bridge a divide in, in their family. And that, those, that information is still up online if people want to look at it. If you want to go to the Today Show and just Google my name. I wanted to address the self-love part of this. So using your experience, let, let's just use that as the example. How did it affect your, your self-love when, when Alana said she wanted to convert, leave the family religion? I was devastated. And, and then yeah. I learned that one of the things that all parents want to do is pass on their values to your children. Well, when your children re- reject your values, which, you know, children often do, especially when they're becoming adults and are, you know, separating from the home so they can be grow up, it can feel like the rejection is very hurtful. It took a while for Alana to finally, when she finally realized that, as she, as she says, she finally realized that I was hurting and that she needed to let me know that she heard my pain. Now, we hadn't, a lot of stuff still hadn't gotten resolved. When she let me know that she heard me, that's when we turned the corner. It's wonderful when the, when the, the person in a dynamic can say that. For people who are in a situation where the other person never does say, I'm sorry, or I hear you then self-love, I think, as a woman of faith, I think self-love is found in knowing that God loves me regardless of what anybody else did. Now, that's, that's my particular, you know, my faith as a Christian, I, I believe that the, that the Lord died for me, and so that says that he loves me. People who have a different faith, context or who are agnostic or you know for example um, will probably have to 
find that self-worth in another way. But it's certainly worth pursuing. It's vital to pursue, and it's true. Each of us is worthy. Kind of seizing on that truth and, and living in it is, you know, an important step to getting back to emotional, personal, and relational health. Again, not as a professional psychologist, but just as someone who's been on a life journey. Well, sometimes sharing your life experience is the best healing medicine that there is because we all have the same bucket of feelings. It's just we have different experiences than when Mm -hmm. we pull them out of the bucket. Self-love is, I think, is so hard for for so many people, myself Mm -hmm. included. I mean, there was a time where I didn't even know what it was. And the idea of being entitled to it or worthy of it, it wasn't even in the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a journey for me to learn about self-love. When you made the statement about that God loves me, loves you, loves those who uh, receive his love, started smiling with joy almost because mm-hmm. I, I never thought about it that way, even though I don't know why I never thought about that way. It just never presented itself that clearly. Mm-hmm. It, it takes this um, enormous sense of why can't I get this off my shoulders because it's like God is supporting me and showing me if, if I learn to receive it and see it. This is amazing how yes. intricately this all fits together. Yes, yes it is. And it's quite so, um, beautiful. Yes. Knowledge is power. <laughs> and knowing God is the most powerful thing of all. Because in that knowledge, then we really do find out who we are and, and what we are worth. Before we close out today, I'm just finishing up an essay for a publishing house. And I'm focusing on the scripture about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And it says, consider the birds, you know, they, they neither sow nor reap nor stow away in barns, but your heavenly father takes care of them, feeds them. And, and then the, uh, Jesus asks the question, aren't you more valuable than they? The wonderful thoughts I'm writing, it's kind of a nature reflection on how the birds aren't trying to be any more than they are. And they are, trusting in the knowledge that their creator is taking care of them. We can have that same trust if we pay attention. And as somebody said, uh, writing is about paying attention. Well, I think getting healed is about paying attention too. Yes. Is there any advice that you would give to our listeners who are struggling specifically with healing from childhood trauma, childhood abuse, or something that's a deep hurt or division Are there any healing words that you could pass on to them? Yes, and it's interesting because I did not experience what we traditionally think of as childhood trauma, like child abuse, that kind of hurt. I am African-American, and so I grew up during the 50s during Jim Crow segregation, and it was traumatic, and I was just a child. I didn't know how, I I saw the hate and name-calling and injustice and lynching, you know, just horrible things. And I was traumatized by it. I I didn't know it at the time, but I was. 
And the only way, in fact, I, I wrote a book about it. Uh, my first book was called My First White Friend, Reflections on Race, Love, and Forgiveness. Only until I sought to be healed of the hurt, and that's my suggestion, is to seek your healing. You know, hurting people should seek their healing. I've been thinking about that. I want getting ready to buy a bicycle, and and I have some stiffness in one of my knees, and I, gee, I wish this stiffness would go away, but I, I need to just go, I need to seek healing for that. And it's no different than seeking healing for an emotional hurt. I think we should seek it out. So mm-hmm. When you say seek, what, what are you specifically, how do you see that? Ask people who are healthy how they stay healthy. Ask them if they know a therapist uh, or, you know, a professional who specializes in, you know, whatever trauma that they've experienced. Don't sit and suffer. Go get help. To close out, just on a Bible thought, there's the whole thing that I, big thing that I've learned is growing up and knowing about uh, faith life. It is about getting up and going. It's not about languishing. Thank you for being on our show. And visit her website for uh, more information, uh, patriciarabon.com. Thank you for being on our show. Please contact me at susan at conversationsofheal.com if I can support you on your healing journey. Leave a comment on Blog Talk or iTunes to support us in reaching listeners in search of living a life of peace and joy. Above all, remember that you are a lovable and a capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.